trust you, but I'm scared. Mm-hmm. And we've uncovered so many different traumatic things that have happened. Her just getting mold in general from the job she loved mm-hmm. was traumatic. And then what? dealing with all of that. And she's like, I'm afraid this is, and this is what happened with me too. And I don't know if this is with you too. You've dealt with your symptoms for so long and you've dealt with feeling in that state, that nervous system state for so long that you're afraid to actually heal and go into the opposite Hello and welcome to the Health Detective Podcast by Functional Diagnostic Nutrition. We bring you interviews from people who have conquered the trickiest of health challenges using the Functional Diagnostic Nutrition philosophy and similar healing modalities. You're going to hear from experts who have been through the ringer with their health issues and yet managed to come out on the other side. If you're interested in natural healing and or functional medicine, congrats, you are in the right place. You can always visit us at functionaldiagnosticnutrition.com. But for now, here is today's episode. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Health Detective Podcast by Functional Diagnostic Nutrition. My name is Evan Transu, a.k.a. Detective Ev, and I will be your host for today's show. We have with us Vanessa McConkie. She is coming back for a second appearance after absolutely crushing her first episode. It was amazing. I don't know if you guys got to hear that. If not, link is in the show notes. Please check it out. Very powerful story. But after people come on and share their story on this podcast, uh, sometimes we like to have them back on again and talk about a specific topic. Today's topic is trauma and how it relates to the central nervous system. And if you had listened to the first episode with Vanessa and I, you know that We will also touch on a variety of other things outside of the main topic for today. So here's her bio, then we'll jump right into the episode. It's a long one. Vanessa is a passionate, energetic, tenacious woman, wife and mom of three young boys. She has always believed in helping people, whether it be in the community, schools, or corporate world. Her career started early since both her parents and grandparents were business owners. Hard work was highly valued in her family, and she attended a science and engineering academy through most of high school and also attended Southern Illinois University for Industrial Engineering Technology, graduating in only three years. She worked her way up the corporate ladder very quickly and found herself running organizations at a young age. During the course of all this corporate success, she was diagnosed with a rare disease which left her relying on many different medical professionals. She finally ended her corporate career, and her husband and her became pregnant with their first son. Life seemed good, and she started a resume writing and executive career coaching business where the skills she learned in corporate once again created success. But two things happened. One, her health took a nosedive, and two, she noticed 85% of her clients struggled with health issues that were affecting how they performed at work. She couldn't help people any longer find jobs if she knew that their health was affecting more than just them. In taking a sabbatical, she uncovered some hefty relational issues with her husband and her parents, leading to her discovery of functional nutrition and FDN, and this ultimately uncovered how trauma creates disease for her. Now as a board-certified holistic autoimmune and trauma recovery practitioner, functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner, certified functional nutrition coach, speaker, and author, Vanessa educates and empowers people to take control of their fatigue and pain during the in-between moments while confidently owning their journey so they can live a vibrant life. Once again, Vanessa crushed it. You're going to love this episode. You could listen to her all day. She has one of those gifts. Without further ado, let's learn how the central nervous system gets affected by trauma. 
<laughs> All right. Hello there, Vanessa, and welcome back to the Health Detective Podcast. How are you? Hello. Thank you for having me again. Yes. Okay. So you guys would have just heard this in my pre-recorded thing that we do before the live part of the episode, but I'm going to say it again in case you skip me. You guys need to go listen to the first episode that we did with Vanessa. I Not that you have to literally to understand what we're going to talk about today, but I think it is a perfect segue. Um, it was, I told you this, I'm not, it's not a competition, but I'm also not afraid to say this. I don't think anyone needs to be feeling badly about themselves when I say these things. You know, we've interviewed 200 something people. It was one of my favorite episodes. I loved the story. Um, I love that you got to just share it. It was amazing that usually as a host, you have to be careful because, as you know, because you don't want to let someone go for too long, but you also don't want someone to give too short of answers. But every now and then there's someone that I can come in and ask a couple of questions and you have the story so well articulated and down that it's like, okay, I have the best job in the world today. I just get to listen to this thing, uh, just like everyone else, except I get to call it a job. So uh, it was amazing. A lot of vulnerable stuff. I would definitely recommend going and listening to that. It's the human side of what we'll talk about today. Uh, but with that all said, what we are going to be discussing is stuff with trauma and the nervous system and how these things can interact. It's actually a topic. If you guys listen regularly, you know, I just said I become more interested in this. I think this is a unfortunate stereotype that many of us go through, especially as a young male, but we get into this for the labs. I want to know the data. I want to know just the biochemistry. I want to know which supplements and what diet stuff to do. And some of us nail all of that. And there's still that lingering percentage that's going on. And you're like, I'm living better than 99% of people. Why do I still have this stuff that's not moving? And that's when I had to start looking at some of the traumatic things that happen in life. So we'll, we'll, um, we'll touch on that more specifically. But, you know, story aside, why is this the one thing that you ended up becoming so passionate about? Because there was multiple things to your story. So why is this like your, your highlight thing that you're super passionate about? You know, kind of like what you said, I was doing all the things, right? Actually, I'm going to step back here because so trauma you don't, everyone's like, oh, I didn't have a traumatic event in my life. Okay. So there is a difference between being like stressed and just like overstressed, overworked. You have financial issues, you got kid issues, you got parent issues, you got like whatever, all these things going on. There's a difference between that and, and like a traumatic events. You had a car crash, death, um, you were, you know, a lot of people relate PTSD to like war veterans, things like that. They had a, a set of events when you have trauma, especially like complex trauma, I talk a lot about childhood trauma because it's something I experienced. We always tend to, as um, practitioners, we're going to attract people based on our personal story mm -hmm. and whatnot. But childhood trauma is pretty serious. It can, it, it can be physical. It can be sexual. Yes. Okay. Those are still traumatic events. Um, and experiences, because typically in childhood, if you're sexually abused, you are, it's over and over and over. It's not a one-time thing and it can be become complex. And then you start to have feelings and all that stuff. Um, but then you have emotional and verbal abuse and neglect. And so going back in my story, if you guys went and listened to the first episode, which again, I highly recommend too, um, not just because it's my story, but it does help piece some of this together is and because we're health detectives, that's what we do. We're, we're putting pieces of puzzles together for people. 
So I had to do that with myself. So I did all the things. I was like, okay, I'm eating all the right foods. I have done the food sensitivities. I've done the allergy testing. I've done, I'm doing the exercises, the workouts. I'm doing, you know, the, the stress relief that we all think we're doing. Um, I'm resting well. I'm, you know, whatever, all these things. And I'm a hard worker and all this stuff, but the needle still wasn't moving. I, something wasn't right. And I knew something wasn't right. And so if you listen back to my other episode, I came back to the Chicagoland area, Illinois, basically, where both my family and my husband's family were because I had found drugs and alcohol up the wazoo in our home in Phoenix. And I was like, I addressed him. As I said, our last episode, hey, you know, he's like, it's legal. No, just because it's legal doesn't mean like that. <laughs> I, actually... I can tell you that I'm not proud, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and here's the thing that I've been understanding. So if you guys come across any of your clients that have had substance abuse and you can relate to this too, Ev, is mm-hmm. you don't know that what you're doing is harming yourself and harming so many other people around you. You you don't know. And that's hard for me because I haven't used. So I'm like, I I don't know. But you have to, if you're going to be working with someone like that, you have to understand it because they just don't know they're hurting. And if you can't, please find someone else who has dealt with that so they can help that person in the right manner because otherwise you will be hurting them more than anything. Um, And so he's like, it's legal, whatever. It's helping me calm down. Now, going back to the whole trauma piece, there are two ways you can go when you've experienced complex trauma, we're going to be talking about mostly, is you can go into using substances, whether whatever your substance of choice, and that can even be food, y'all, okay? It can be exercise, it can be whatever, okay? And then you've got the other side of it where you're looking for worth, okay? And people who have typically done the, like the substance abuse aspect of it, they, are, they want themselves to be in that parasympathetic realm. They want to just you know what? It doesn't matter. I'm just going to be doing the bare minimum. And as long as I just feel good, I'm okay. Okay. And I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, if that's how you even felt too. I still, I didn't want to cut you off before, but Mm -hmm. not the small thing I'll add really quick is not only do I think one, it's a very mature perspective for someone who hasn't directly, like you, when I say directly, you haven't done those things with Mm -hmm. substances, right? Mm -hmm. And you still have this very profound and mature perspective of you get that they're not thinking about other people at the time. That is honest to God truth. Mm-hmm. My whole aha moment. It's the title of the presentation I do in schools. I built a career off it. The entire aha moment for me was this very sudden running into a brick wall realization that I am affecting the people around me. And thankfully, you know, that's what triggered me into realizing, holy crap, I need to do something because I care about these other people. But then you start coming to this realization that it's happening to yourself. But to your other point about the parasympathetic, and I'm always transparent about this stuff. I don't, I think that's important as a host, just, just to share what you know about yourself in any given time. I still, to this day, I, I must've done this at like 16, 17. I have wired my brain in such a way that even if I don't do it, that's fine. But I crave marijuana under times of high stress. And I know I'm pushing too fast. So if I'm doing the 14, 15 hour a day thing, trying to buff something out instantly, I crave something that Otherwise I wouldn't normally crave. And it's like, holy crap, like I wired my brain that this is the thing that gets me to sleep. This calms me down. So Mm -hmm. I can see a direct correlation between the stress trigger and that. And now I know a little better and can balance things more appropriately. But I think you're a hundred, hundred thousand percent right that it tries to get you into that parasympathetic to relax. 
Yeah. And so you have to recognize that as a practitioner too. And so it's going to be harder to get them motivated to do any of our protocols as well. So then you have, because they're going to want to use something, right? They're going to want to take a supplement, right? Like you said, like you're going to take, you want to take something to make you feel better. Then you have the opposite side. So my husband has, we've uncovered complex PTSD from his childhood. So he used substances to make himself feel better because he's like, well, my parents use, so, you know, what's the points and they're not going to pay attention to me anyways. Right. And so, cause we all have an innate like desire to be wanted. And as children, it is that, that connection, that attachment is so important for a child. I mean, there's been so many studies. I mean, I talk about it quite a bit on this stuff and I even talk about it with my therapist because I was abused in the fact of being emotionally abused and neglected. My mom would literally leave because she would say, I'm too much. I asked a lot of questions. I was curious about so many things. She would take my sister, who was 18 months younger than me, to the grocery store down the street and come back, write me a note and be like, hey, you know what? I'll be back at this time. And whatever, right? And so it's like, I had a lot of that. You're too much. Go to your room. I mean, I think a lot of people of like, of parents of our generation, go to your room. And don't come out until you're happy or decent. Mm -hmm. And that has an effect on people. And so I always, I went to the opposite trauma response of, I was a perfectionist. And I did anything I could to try and win my parents' approval and attention over. I did everything. I was the star student. I graduated college, engineering school in three years while doing, I did 21 hours a semester. I was working two jobs. I would, I was at Southern Illinois driving up to Chicago every other weekend to work at a restaurant because I made a heck of a lot more money up there than I did the restaurant job down there. I mean, I was doing, I had a job by my first year of college that put me in a paid internship and I got to name my dollar as soon as I got out. Like that was a type of, I just was go, go, go. I never applied to a job that had an actual app. Like they had a job description up and available. Like I actually just walked into places because I'm like, I'm that confident. Like someone is going to see me. And that kept me in the sympathetic mode all the time of, I got to go. I got to go. I always got to be doing, 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 doing. If I wasn't doing something in my home, like actually doing a human doing, not a human being, it was, why are you sitting there? I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, can't I just rest for one minute? Like Saturdays, us girls had to be up and we had to be doing yard work or helping dad with his business or whatever. And you're like, when do I get a break? And so I went like that, like crazy. And so if you listen back to my other episode of being, you know, annihilating Addison's disease, my dad apparently had Addison's disease. So it was genetic. No, it was just the overdrive of that, that HPA access that we have of just constant cortisol, constant, 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 constant. So I couldn't settle down. So coming back to our home here, my childhood home in Illinois, after finding the substances, bringing all our kids here, I'm in overdrive. I can't think straight, but here's the thing. This is something you have to look for too, is if you're working with a client who is in that overdrive, they're going to be hypervigilant and they work so incredibly well under emergency situations. You want them around because we are calm, we are collected, but we're, I mean, we're constantly, like I can see all the way back here with my hands because I had to growing up. I had to know what was going on all the time. I had to have some kind of control because I never knew what was going to happen in my home. 
if dad was going to come home and he was going to be in a good mood, bad mood. Well, if I was in a good mood, he was in a bad mood. Do I share my good mood or do I just hold it in? And so that's another thing too, is when you're dealing with clients who have been in complex trauma situations, specifically all the way from childhood. Now you can start it in adulthood as well. You know, you could have a teenage situation, you could have a college situation, whatever that is. But especially decades of childhood trauma and you suppress your emotions, whether, and you know this too, right? Whether you've been in parasympathetic state or you've been in the sympathetic state for years, you suppress your emotions. You're not allowed to be angry. You're not allowed to be sad. You have to be happy. You have to be upbeat all the time in order for people around you to accept you. And that puts such a stressor on our nervous system. And especially if since birth, like for me, example, since birth, I came out of the womb, I had stressors. My C3 and C4 in my neck are fused together. Hmm. They could have been fixed right away at childbirth. My parents like, no, no, she'll be fine. She'll be fine. <laughs> My parents were under the same generation too of let the baby cry it out. It's okay. Don't pit. You don't need to hold the baby too much. That actually makes things worse for a child. You cannot overhold a child. I sat there and battled with that with my children. I'm like, my mom says, don't hold the baby. Let him cry it out. But I would sit outside their door and be like, no, I can't. I did go in. And I'm like, I can't, I can't, I can't because I lacked that as a child. And my nervous system was so off because of that. Even to this day, I mean, I have situations that we were just talking beforehand. We had a massive plumbing issue. I was like, oh my God, okay, what do we got to do? What do we got to plan? We got all, all these different things. And then I finally realized, I'm like, it's not an emergency. The house isn't blowing up. Like no one's at risk other than mold, right? Possibly. So <laughs> what, what, are we, what are we so freaked out about? But when I came back to Illinois and I got in that same childhood environment, that I grew up in, I thought my parents were saving me. I thought for once, this is that one thing my parents are saving me. This, I, I'm finally the help I've finally needed. Mm-hmm. They're saving me. No, it was okay. The first month, good. Mom took off work. Dad, you know, he he just he was there and helped with my boys. Okay, and then all of a sudden, it was nope again. My mom told me again, and it started to trigger me. So these are things you have to look out for with clients too, is like little triggers that they might get set off with. Okay. It takes a very skilled practitioner to understand those things. My mom said, you know what, Vanessa, I'm sorry, but you and the boys are too much. We're, we're, I'm, I have three boys. Yes. You're not used to boys being boys are crazy, <laughs> by the way, they're nuts. They're loud. They're gross. They are just everything. And I love them dearly, but they, yeah, they can be too much. Okay. If you're not used to it and looking back, she grew up with an alcoholic mom who physically beat her, like would kick her across the room type thing. She didn't even go through even a quarter of the therapy that she should have gone through and didn't do the work. And I know this because her old therapist is mine. So <laughs> but it's good because they're able to relate. So coming back into that environment, you're like, what's my mom doesn't want me. And now she doesn't want my kids. Like what's wrong with me? Right. How am I I'm supposed to be here healing? And then she's like, well, are you going to get a job? I'm like, well, I have a couple of businesses. Why do I need to get a job? You have a business. Why, why don't you get a job? Well, mine makes enough money. Oh, what's the definition of enough? Right. It was those kinds of kind of conversations. I'd be asking questions about childhood. Hey mom, you know, what was it like when this, and what was it like when that too busy, you know, taking the phone and scrolling like, okay. Um, 
um, yeah, uh, 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 you know, you know, those conversations. And so you're being neglected over again. So when you've got someone who's got a dysregulated nervous system, they've been through all of that trauma and it's getting relived as an adult, how in the world do you think they're going to heal? They're not. So, you know, I sit there and I say, I'm like, okay, all right. So we had to, they kicked us out by the way. So we'll, we'll shorten that part of the story. They ended up kicking us out. No reason other than we were too much. We had to quickly find another place. My husband was still in Arizona. We had just gotten notice 48 hours before we were closing on our property that they were canceling the contract for no reason, right? You can do that. No reason. And so we're like, oh my gosh, okay. We had all of this debt and we're like, we would have been like, thank God we would have been able to like get Vanessa and the boys a place, everything. My parents like, we don't care out. That's not loving parents. And that totally threw me into hypervigilance again. The boys are like, what's going on? Are we going to be at the same school? Because they had already changed. The oldest one had changed schools three times already. And it hadn't been a full year. And so it was like all over the place. And you can't heal under those circumstances. You know, I sit there and I say like to a lot of people, are you safe? I'm not saying people, you know, holding things, you know, weapons to your heads or anything like that. But like, do you feel safe in your environment? Because if you don't feel safe in your environment first, you're not going to heal in any way, shape or form. I don't care if it's with a family member. I don't care. You're not going to be safe and you're going to be so dysregulated that your systems is just going to be in constant overload. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I sit there and I go through with clients. I, I do this with my kids, too. But we have a big feelings list. Like I have a big, big feelings list here because a lot of times when you've been through trauma and you've got a dysregulated nervous system, you don't even know what you're feeling because you've never been allowed to feel that. No one's ever explained it to you. It's just get out of my way, move, go. School should teach you that, all those things. And it, and it really affects your health. So I sit there and I say, I'm like, okay, what are, and I sat there and thought about this a couple of weeks. So I said, what are some gifts that parents can, can give their kids that are going to take them so far in life and they're going to help regulate their system and are going to just teach them to just live life and not be afraid of so many things. We already have enough freaking fears in this world, right? That's going to throw our systems off. I mean, we could just name, you know, COVID for example, right? Everyone just go crazy. We don't know what's going to happen, whatever. Things are going to happen. We've got school shootings. We've got, you know, whatever. Things are going to happen that we can't control. But things we can control, like if you're a parent, if you're a teacher, if you're a practitioner in any type, I I feel like these three things should be things that you should be gifting the people. And the first one is hope. Okay. Now, I'm a Christian and The only thing, I shouldn't say the only thing, but one of the only things, one of the biggest things that kept me going through the situation that I was going through of moving back to Illinois, is my husband going to be clean or not? By the way, he's 18 months clean now, Um, 19 months, yeah, 19 months clean now. And is, you know, am I going to be okay with my parents? Am I going to be walking on eggshells? I mean, I didn't even feel like I could, oh, like, you know, how you, like you come home to your house, your childhood home. And a lot of us should feel like the sense of, oh my gosh, I'm home. I can go open the refrigerator. I can grab something to eat. I can go lay on the couch and it's okay. I'm at home. I'm with mom and dad. I never had that. My parents actually got to the point when we were living there with the boys um, labeling their food 
and counting it out. One, two, three cans of this. <laughs> I was like, it was sick, but that was the childhood I grew up in. Mm-hmm. Here, This is dad stuff over here. This is mom stuff. These are the kids stuff. If you're out, you can't touch mom and dad stuff. I'm sorry. You can't. And that was rough. So I was wa- walking on eggshells. So having that hope of knowing, knowing God and knowing, like I questioned, I don't even know, like you've mentioned in the last episode about some of your story too, and reflecting that, but like you, if you don't have that life is a lot harder, yeah, and, it is. <laughs> right? You go into depression, isolation. We have enough of that crap as it is y'all like all kinds of health issues. You think all these mental conditions just magically just come out of nowhere. No, but it's because people don't have hope. They don't know what's coming next. They're waiting for that next ball to drop. They've been traumatized multiple times over and over and over and experienced it. They don't know what's coming next. And so they're, guys, you're not going to be able to regulate their cortisol if you can't help them fix that problem. I'm not a therapist and none of y'all should be, okay? If you have an actual degree in that, yes, please help them, but refer them out to that, okay? But guide them in that and say, I can't help you until you've gone to a therapist because you're not going to be able to. No food, no supplement, no anything is going to help that nervous system calm down. Just as we were joking before we got on here, I now go through every client call we go through a meditation series. There's deep breathing beforehand because a lot of times we all rush into calls, first of all. We're busy people. And then second of all, they're on high alert. Like, what are my test results? Oh my gosh, I got to know. Oh, like, what am I going to do next? How's my life going to change? All these all these things. And so, right, That's if real. we don't just calm them down, <laughs> right? You've been there. That, oh, that's very real with clients. And I've been on the other side when I first mm-hmm. got mine, right? That's exactly... And because you're just constantly going. So this is just one more thing in the myriad of other things that you have to do. But you really, I think everyone, if they want to heal, has to come to that conclusion at some point that this is not going to be like one of those other things in my daily life. I got to actually process this, take it in. Because otherwise you do end up in, it's just a task. It's a to-do list. All right, I'll do this diet I ate right today. I took these supplements. And then you wonder why you're six months into the protocol and half as much better as the average person would be at the same point in the protocol. So Mm -hmm. yeah, totally agree with that. Exactly. And so that's the first thing that I always make sure it's like, right, they're going to lose hope. And we weren't designed to be put on this earth to be constantly depressed, constantly isolated, constantly just hurting and in pain. Now, we ain't going to take away all that pain. That's not our decision, but we will guide you. But you have to do it. I don't want to say the right way, but you have to be cognizant of what's going on in that person's life. You have to correlate, like where you say, right, we correlate their lifestyle and, you know, their labs and their symptoms and all that stuff together. You got to dive way deep. And that person has to trust you. They have to trust you. I literally just got a client and she has spent over $80,000 in 18 months. Part of that, part of that, by the way, with one of our FDNs who didn't solve her problem in any way, just gave her this massive protocol. And she's like, whoa, but part of it, she had mold and that was, you know, that was uncovered down the way, but she's like, Vanessa, I've worked with you in the past in your, your career coaching business. I trust you, but I'm scared. Mm -hmm. And we've uncovered so many different traumatic things that have happened. Her just getting mold in general from the job she loved was traumatic and then dealing with all of that. And she's like, I'm afraid this is, and this is what happened with me too. And I don't know if this is with you too. You've dealt with your symptoms for so long and you've dealt with feeling in that state, that nervous system state for so long that you're afraid to actually heal and go into the opposite state. I, 
you're probably wording it better than I would have, but there's definitely trends that I've noticed that have made me wonder about that mm-hmm. because there is a, there's an odd, and this is very, it's tough if someone's hearing it for the first time. So maybe, because you know, you don't almost comprehend it. That's not saying that everyone has this, but also if you do have it, it's tough to hear the first time because it doesn't always fully make sense, but there is a, a safety that comes in some level of consistency in life. I think we're wired that way. Even if that consistency sucks, and this is, I'm saying this personally myself, I won't project it on anyone else. There was a comfort of a sorts in depression. There was a comfort of sorts in anxiety. My biggest one that I found to be particularly tricky, this was a fascinating one. There was huge comfort in severe acne. Now, anyone would have questions about that. Why the hell would there be comfort in that? Well, every little thing that I would have to push for in life, whether it's career, relationship, or whatever, those are social things. But acne was this safeguard that I figured if I have severe acne, it is totally justified that I'm not in the dating pool. It is totally justified that I'm not going for the better job. You look ridiculous, right? You're embarrassed about this. That's justified. And so I'm not... You know, Sigmund Freud and myself, I can't prove this, right? But I, I do believe that you're onto something. And I have thought about it from hearing others uh, prior to this podcast that, especially with the acne again, was that something that I prolonged to give me this safety? Because again, I, I'm not being rude if someone's dealing with this right now. If you've ever dealt with severe cystic acne, yes, that's not the easiest thing to date with. That That's real. And the best lies are half true. So that that's real right there. But what's not real then is this other part that I was hiding from that I think what was actually worrisome, it's like, okay, well, what if I get rid of the acne and, you know, you ask someone on a date and they still reject me? Yeah. Well, then it's not the acne anymore. I don't have this excuse. Maybe I'm in a, feel, I'm going to feel inadequate in a different way, right? So I don't know. It gets very complicated or the job thing. Well, if I never show up to the job interview because I can't, quote unquote, mm-hmm. since I have this bad acne, I can't get rejected from that thing. And so I think there was a fear of rejection there for me. Um, I also don't want to go off too long. I, I love I love listening to you. You are, are great at what you do. Um, but I had to add to the hope thing, if I may, because I love that that was your first thing out of, I think, the three. Because as someone who's in the mental health space, as many of the listeners know, I genuinely believe hope is one of the only things that keeps people from taking their own life. I have almost seen zero correlation between suicide actions, like actually taking uh actually making an attempt on taking Mm -hmm. one's life or completing that i've seen almost zero correlation between the pain and the suicide stuff versus the hope side i've seen people that to be dead honest really were only in a five out of ten pain but they've attempted suicide because they couldn't see the light out Mm -hmm. i've seen others that went through the craziest stuff you you couldn't even make it up in a movie but whether it was faith Mm -hmm. whether it was something highly practical like Oh, well, once I'm 18, I can move out, right? right maybe it was stuff with right. their parents. Mm-hmm. They had this hope that might have been years away. Like as a Christian, because I'm, I'm one as well. If you're a person of faith, your, your faith um, and hope really comes like after death. You're like, all right, after all of this is done, that's when this <laughs> is going to <laughs> hope could be decades away. Mm-hmm. But if it's genuine, all of a sudden, human beings, man, we're tough. We can survive a lot of stuff. So I, I wanted to add to that too. I thought that was great because I think that's one of the only things that keeps people from taking their lives. And I always tell, I don't work with the clients one-on-one as much at our studio. It's mostly like I talk to them in the beginning and then they work with someone else there. But I look, it's genuine. I never, ever, ever fake this. I look for the things that I see already. Like if I've heard another story on this podcast of someone that has healed from something similar to what they have or whatever it might be. And I look them in the eyes and let them know, oh yeah, we'll figure this out. And I just say this with a confidence and conviction that they're like so confused because they're in the midst of this. Like, oh yeah, don't worry. I see this all the time. 
And they're like, what? And so, but that alone, they could feel like hell that day, but this might be the first person to ever tell them, yeah, no, we'll get it figured out. And if I always say, if I can't figure it out, man, you're talking people like us, we're the best uh, networked people in the world for functional medicine. I will find you the person who can help you. So it's not arrogance. It's Mm -hmm. genuine. I can get you to the person who can do this. So exactly. Because even I've got another client and she's like, she, she was messaging me this week and she's like, Vanessa, she goes, I don't know if you've ever dealt with this, but I literally, I can't stop crying. And I said, I know you've been through a lot. And she goes, I I never will attempt. She goes, but I just feel like if, if I was just not here, that it would be so much easier. And I sat there and I told her and I said, you know what? I said, this is the toughest part pushing through all of this. You know, it, and this is one thing like, please don't tell people to do like positive affirmations and, you know, you're going to change, change what's in here and you're going to change everything. I mean, it takes a lot of time when you've been through significant amounts of experience trauma. It takes a lot. I mean, I could sit there. I mean, my dad was, oh yeah, speak positive affirmations, listen to Joel Osteen every morning. And I'm like, I wanted to give him the middle finger. I'm like, that's sorry. That does not make me happy. Like, sorry, like that doesn't, that's not helping my situation. I need you as a father. That's what I need. And they don't understand that. And the client themselves doesn't understand that. But she's like, Vanessa, I'm just, I don't want to, I don't want to take my life. But at the same time, I do. I'm, I'm hurting my husband. I'm hurting my kids. I'm like, I said, no, here's the thing. And this is what people don't understand is, you're hurting them by not going through the steps of healing. You will hurt them more by not going through those steps. When you have been traumatized, and we all have to some extent in some manner, but when you've been through that complex trauma and it doesn't go away, it's not something you can take. It's lifetime, y'all. Okay. Unfortunately, it's lifetime. I've had to come to that conclusion for myself. It sucks, but you'll, the triggers will be less and less. But here's the thing is, as you go through, you're going to have less triggers. You're going to understand what they are. You're going to become self-aware. And you're teaching your kids, which is what kids need to thrive. And that goes to my second point is teaching them how to regulate their nervous system by showing them emotions. I don't know how many times. I got three boys. I yell at them every day. Okay? I, I Every day they're doing something, some annoying noise. They're talking about poop and pee. They're whatever, you know, anything. And they're like, well, mom, you do poop tests. I'm like, yes, I do. But, like, let's <laughs> not talk about it at the table. Like, <laughs> what a way to spin that. I love it. Oh, my God. So smart. <laughs> like, my oldest one, he just, we had gotten his GI stool, like, map test back. And, like, but before he sent it in, the kid legit, he's like, I got it, mom. I can, I can poop in the hot dog container is what he calls it. <laughs> like, I, I call it the, uh, the French fry container. Like, in a he's eight years old, by the way, okay? He oh. comes out, no joke. I'm in the kitchen making dinner because he's like, I got to go. I got it. I'm like, okay, you know what to do. The stuff's in there. Like, you want to handle it? Go for it. Like, I, I don't want to stick my hand under and do it for you. And so he comes, comes out and shows me. Like, he's got to show me. And I'm like, okay, all right. So yeah, and he's like, can you take a picture and send it to daddy? No, I'm not going to do that. That is too far. But like, you're going like, you're gonna to have so many situations as a parent and you're going to have to show them emotions. If you've been through the trauma, it's going to be harder. But when you have those aggressive feelings, what we call the big feelings with kids, 
you have anger, you have the, the fear, you have the crying, you have all that stuff. You have to feel it. And then the best thing that you're going to do as a parent to help them regulate their nervous systems and then to show them that you're regulating yours is to apologize, hmm. is to sit there and be like, you know what? Mommy did have big emotions. I didn't mean to yell at you. I'm human. And this is how we regulate. I usually have, but because I needed this back wall here, I had to change spots here, but we usually have big sets of pictures up on here's how you can regulate your emotions. Here's what you can do for anger instead of screaming or throwing, or yesterday was throwing swords at each other. Um, (laughs) That guy, yeah, I was like, where did you get those? And what just happened here? Um, But it's like, here, you can push up against a wall when you're angry. It pushes it out of you. You can sit there and we've got so many freaking stuffed animals. Cuddle a stuffed animal. We have a new puppy. Cuddle the puppy until she growls at you. Um, You sit there and you can just do those different types of things. But that's a great gift to teach your kids because you know what happens when you go into the workplace and you have something that drops a bomb on you. What are you going to do? I mean, my husband and I deal with all the time. He is now, it's basically like he's a dry drunk because he's now got he was able to use substances before to calm anger and to calm frustration and overwhelm at work. And he's like, now, now what do I do? What do I do? Oh my gosh. I like, I mean, I don't know how many times things have happened, you know, and okay, please go take some time, like remove yourself from the situations. There's been times he's spent four hours in the basement curled up in a ball, you know? So it's like regulating and showing your emotions, your body need this. And I don't know if I said this in the last episode, I've said it on other podcasts before, but when you're a trauma survivor, you just want one day to be just okay, easy peasy, mm-hmm. like nothing, no ups and downs. Let me tell you, what does a heartbeat do? It goes up and down and up and down and up and down. You have to have that type of nervous system. You can't always be up and you can't always be down and you can't be just right in the middle. You'll be dead. <laughs> you will be dead. You have to teach the system that when you go up, you have to come down. When you're down, you have to go up. You have to teach it that. And being able to teach that to children, being able to teach this, and this is what I've been telling a lot of um, practitioners that I talk to as well. Your clients, you're like a parent to your clients, especially if they've been traumatized. You have to teach them the things that they were never taught before about their bodies and their minds. You have to. Otherwise, they're not going to heal. You're not going to be able to give them your protocol. That is an amazing protocol. Usually you can't give it to them because they're not going to be able to accept it because they don't have other tools in place. And so your job is to be able to set up their nervous system, right? It's not going to, yes, we have our dress and I fully, fully support the dress. It starts with the diet. You got the rest, you got the exercise, but if you, it doesn't start with diet. I always work with my clients. I start with stress and the nervous system because I can't implement I don't know how many different freaking diets I did. Like I said earlier, all the different sensitivity tests and things like that. And I was like, how how am I getting worse? (laughs) How am I getting worse? I know I might get a little worse that first week or two, but I should be getting somewhat better. Like, why am I not getting better? Why do I have more sensitivities? What in the world is going on? What am I going to be able to eat? Like type thing. Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm supposed to be working out 30 minutes a day. But like I'm lifting weights because I'm supposed to gain testosterone because I have a lack of testosterone, but like it's, it's getting worse. Like what's going on? And so, but if we don't regulate that, that person will never heal. Mm -hmm. So it's our job. It's a very, very special job that we have. And if you don't take it seriously, just like being a parent, you're going to lose that person and they're going to struggle for the rest of their life. Just like 
I started off for 40 years now of struggling as a child. I still call myself a young child because emotionally, sometimes I can still be there is I struggled and I never want anyone, if I can help it, go through that again, like ever. I will do it. I mean, we're not perfect. We're going to, our kids are going to go and do things that we say not to do. The, the, thing, the clients are going to do the same thing. But if you can, with all help it, like put those principles in place, like make sure you can't just say, go reduce your stress. I don't know how many times I had doctors say that, by the way, you just need to reduce your stress. I'm like, if you would have taken the time and understood and asked me questions about what was going on in my life, you might've been able to connect the dots. Yeah. And I'm not saying and other doctors stress, out there are right? bad. Yeah. What? <laughs> I said, and define stress, right? Because mm-hmm. stress could be something very technical, sciencey, nerdy, like FDN. It could be a bug, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, yeah, it could be this trauma. So it's like their version of like reduced stress is so, and they mean well, but it's so <laughs> limited in scope. It's like, holy crap. It's like, <laughs> right? it's exactly in- the stress reduction they're talking about. And for 95% of sick people, that's not going to cut it. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's why like I've, I, I don't use all of the foundational labs right away. I start with the hair tissue test and then I go to, and then I do the GI map and I do the Dutch because what those three combined show me, cause I'm like, right. When I'm dealing with trauma, no, no food sensitivity is really going to help unless you have an allergy. It's not going to help right now. I had a calcium shell. If I would have had a practitioner show me that years down the road, my body was actually protecting itself. It was saying, I put, it's literally what it is. It's, it's calcium, one of the toughest minerals put around every single cell in your body. So nothing's going out, nothing's coming in. I couldn't detox metals. I mean, I have detoxification issues because of that. And the mm-hmm. only way you're going to be able to reduce that is by working on your nervous system and doing some of, some different types of stress techniques, right? Don't right. go tell me to go work out. I need to be doing things like somatic exercises, slow and breathing and feeling my body. Because when you're in, in the trauma response that I dealt with, I'm just go, go, go all the time. I have no idea what my body felt like. I have no idea. And I feel things and I'm like, that's weird. And I want to bypass them. And I'm like, no, that I need to feel that emotion. I need to feel because if I don't feel it, it's going to be stuck inside me. It's going to be stuck inside my cells, right? It's It's not going to move. And it stinks at first and you're like, what in the world's going on? But when you have that hair tissue test, when you have the GI map, because I found out then I had H. pylori, candida, infection galore, right? My body was just like, leaky gut, hi, how are you? Like, let's just feed everything. Everything's going everywhere, but still not getting in your cells. And it was a problem. And I was eating all the things that you weren't supposed to eat for leaky gut, right? And just no. So my job has been able to help people go back and understand through those tests. And then we say, Hey, we've got a thyroid issue. Hey, we've got, you know, other things down the road, then yes. Okay. We go into food sensitivity. We go into, you know, what's your metabolic type? What's all those different things, but none of that, first of all, it's going to overwhelm a trauma survivor. They're going to be like, yep. Once again, something is wrong with me. And we don't want to do that. (laughs) I think this is also an example of, um, and I don't think you're saying it this way anyway, but Mm -hmm. I think we have so many people that come on that have done FDN, especially if they've you know been doing this for a while or had other experiences or whatever it might be, um, certifications, they kind of mix their own thing. And that's why FDN doesn't regulate people, right? They can technically do it how they want. I think this is a really good example of you knowing your client base extremely well and that this is what's going to best serve them. And like, you know, for me, I have 
you know, we attract a lot of cystic acne clients, right? Mm -hmm. Now there is trauma there. There's definitely the psychological and emotional trauma that can come with that. Uh, But quite frankly, a lot of those times, those people are looking for, you know, the steps to take immediately. And and it's actually comforting in a sense, because when you have cystic acne, nothing works, right? Like literally nothing works. You Mm -hmm. think it's this food. It's not. You think it's this thing. It's not. It's so confusing that just having a plan can actually be ironically kind of comforting. So, um, but my point, it's really just a comment. It's like, I think it's cool that you know your clients base so well that this is what's going to work with them. And I, I would agree just using common sense. If you gave a huge protocol to someone who really needs to work on the trauma, first and foremost, that's just, yeah, more overwhelm or at the very best, which is still not good. It's just another thing to be neurotic about and try to be a perfectionist with. And then we're all going to fall short on every protocol that's ever been created as I have a million times. Yep. And then that's just bam, hits you again. <laughs> no good. And then that goes back to what I posted in our Facebook group, probably like three or four weeks ago of like, and it was speaking to me, but it apparently spoke to a lot of other people. Sometimes I have to post that stuff out there. So I'm like, okay, Vanessa, like if you're feeling it, someone else is feeling it too. It, it's not about what we know. You can get all these certifications. You can learn about all these different tests. You can whatever. It's about who you are and your story. People, you know, I think we did write a, a um, FDN, what do we do? Like a seminar or something talking about like our niche and things like that or niche, however you want to say it, right? And when the best thing that you can do is share your story and your experience. Yeah, you can share client testimonials, things like that, but how are people going to trust you if all you're doing is feeding off of other people and off of just you know, sample test reports and things like that. People relate to a story. Mm-hmm. You know, I told this to people all the time in the career coaching world too. Great. You can put whatever you freaking want on a resume. Great. But what is your story that you are going to tell? And how is that going to carry you through your career? Mm-hmm. Yep. You you have to do that. And that's why it's really important to, for the clients to trust you, you have to be vulnerable. And just like, right, you, you're very vulnerable. I'm very vulnerable in this stuff. And it's hard at first because you're like, what are people going to think about me? Like, is my story is really bad. It sucks. Like, right, I was a substance abuse user and I acne and all this stuff, right? It's like, or, hey, I thought I was this perfectionist and then I marry a substance abuse user, right? Who's going to listen to that story? And, you know, I grew up in a Christian home, like, and then it was used against me and kicked, you know, kicked me out and all this stuff. Like, I, I thought I had it together, Y'all, I'm going to tell you, like, if you're an FDN practitioner, or you're thinking about it, you're never going to have it all together. You're going to get that one client that is going to drill you with questions and you're going to be like, I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. I don't know what's going on here. Oh my gosh, your nervous system is going to get dysregulated. And you're like, what's going on? And then you're going to be like, what do I do? That's why we have all of these practitioners. So you can reach out and you can connect and you can network and then you can learn from them, but keep sharing your story so people can connect to you because your story is so unique. You know, my, my umbrella company is designing the best you, right? If you're not designing the best you, and that's really hard for trauma survivors because you're like, who was I, you know, and you relate back to, and this is another thing too, is as a client is healing, as you're healing, as they're healing, you're not going to be the same person, right? A new creation, right? We know that in Christianity, you're a new creation. What does that look like? We have no idea what that looks like yet. We have to have that hope, right? That faith. We're putting that trust in the practitioner. We're putting the trust in the process. I don't know how many times I have to tell clients, 
hey, let's wait. Let's trust the process. We're going to have to tweak it a little bit, but please trust the process. Let's, you know, it's going to be okay. Daisy, dog. Um, (laughs) um, But that's, that's the tough part, right? It's very, very tough to go through that. And, you know, the third thing is, and this can only come, this gift that you give your clients, that you give your kids, this gift can only come after you've done the first two, after you've, they've, they've experienced those first two of, of knowing, have, having hope and you teaching them how to regulate their nervous system is to have a work ethic. Now, notice I didn't say hard. I did not say hard. A work ethic, because when you are designed, when, you're, when you've worked on designing who you're supposed to be, you don't have to work hard. True. I agree with that. We don't. We push so hard in our careers. We push so hard to be good parents. We push so hard to be good spouses, good FDNs. When you are who you're supposed to be, when you have hope, when you trust in yourself, when you trust in God, when you understand how to regulate nervous systems and you follow the process, you don't have to work hard. You just have to have a, you'll, you'll already have a decent work ethic in place. There's, I forget if it's Steve Harvey or who the heck says it, but it's something along the lines of like, your gift is what's easy to you, but amazing to the world. Mm -hmm. And I totally, it's tough. I didn't do this intentionally, but as you get healthier and you learn about yourself and fall more in alignment, you know, public speaking is an easy one, right? Something Mm -hmm. that you and I both enjoy to other people, many other people, actually, that's torture. They, you couldn't give them (laughs) enough money to do it. I'm like, put me in coach. I'll do it for free. I'll pay you to do it. You know, I'll pay you to be able to do it. And (laughs) so when you find those things, oh, it's incredible because yeah, it's just, it's different. You know, maybe everyone worked the same eight hours that day, but you're still feeling great afterwards. And you know, they're feeling very drained. So, um, sometimes it's, it's like kind of, I like what you said about that. I think when you, the healthier you get, the more you can fall into alignment with these things. It's extremely important. That's a part of healing too. My gosh, mm-hmm. if you don't hate the 40, 50, 60 hours a week that you're working, that's a pretty damn good start in your healing. Trust me. Yep. You know, I think that's a major thing that many people miss, but um, I had something from before, but I can't, I can't even remember now. I'm very engaged when you're <laughs> where we're well, yeah. at in the conversation. Well, thank you. And you yeah. know, in, even in coming to, you know, as we're getting close to our time here too, it's, you know, I really encourage practitioners as you're going and you're working with your clients is to be intentional, to really step back. And cause we all do this. We're like, we're in it because it's financially freedom, you know, financial freedom. It's, you know, we, we want to help people too, but really figure out like, what is your purpose in doing this? Mm-hmm. Why are you really helping these people? Like, is it because you want a number of clients to have the testimonials because you're afraid to share your story? You're afraid to be vulnerable share the whole story, by the way, right? You know this from being in substance abuse. You're like, I'll just tell them a little bit. They don't need to know all of it, right? It's, <laughs> um, and, or is it the money? Or are you really being intentional about, I tell this to people all the time, like if I can just help one person be better than they were when they were under all of whatever influence they were under, that's all I need. That's all I need. But I know God's got more for me. It's a scary big plan that he's got for me, but you have to sit there and think what I need to be intentional. It's not about how many labs I I can run. It's not about, right. We we don't work to like keep the numbers in the labs. It's just, it's information, but we have to understand, like, are we really helping them be all they were designed to be? Hmm. Because this is like, like I said, in my first episode, I stopped 
really diving in full time to my career coaching because people were just like, I want the next job. I want the next amount of money. I want the next role. Okay. Well, there's a reason that they actually wanted that because something else was, they were pushing something else away. And we have to understand that and we have to get to the root of that. Otherwise, they're going to keep striving for something that is so unattainable. And as a trauma survivor, you're always wanting to please in some manner. Mm-hmm. And we got to stop that because that's not what the world needs. I, yeah, I caught myself doing that with uh, money, which sucks because it's such a generic yeah. one. I'm like, give me something cool. But no, it, was, <laughs> it was money because, you know, at 18, first of all, I had very supportive parents even through all the stuff that I dealt with. But there, there really was a point. I was 21 years old. I had, I think, about $50 left. And it was, and I didn't have any debt at the time, thankfully, which mm-hmm. is great. But we're neutral. Like we're zero. It's like, holy crap. Like we got to figure something out here. Mm -hmm. And thankfully over the last seven years, I've been able to build a very nice income, which is cool. And we keep working on that. But I was always rushing around at that $50 mark. And to be fair, maybe some people disagree with this. I do think you kind of, you know, you got to put in some extra effort. You want to be doing it creatively to make sure it's not forever, but yeah, put in some extra effort. So you're not at 50 freaking dollars. That's a good idea. But you know what the thing was, I realized I was at a point where, okay, the bills are getting paid. You're good. You could throw some stuff into savings. You can pay off some any mm-hmm. of any of the debt that was accrued. And now you're building, right? You build mm-hmm. the income and you build those things over time. But I'm still going at 100 miles per hour. And so I don't want to compare it directly because that to me was like a, a very micro trauma in the grand scheme of things of life that you know I've dealt with or many others dealt with. But it was interesting to see how easily you could fall into that habit. And this was as an adult. I started this 2021 versus the stuff that we start at five or six as coping mechanisms. And then you're right. Some days we have to just look and say, why, why am I doing this? Or just, Hey, I need a, a break. I just want it to be easy for a day. And sometimes I'm not saying for everyone, but oftentimes there's people where we actually are in that better place, but we're still operating with those old habits and modes of operation. I should say, because we never knew anything else. And I'm like, dude, mm-hmm. the money's okay, dude. You, yeah. you know, how, where, when is this going to stop? I think that's a really helpful question. I'm not a trauma expert, um, certainly you're significantly better versed than me, but I don't know if you agree with this or not. I find that's a helpful thing, at least mm-hmm. to get moving in the right direction. You ask yourself about the behaviors that you're doing. I ask myself this with the go, go, go for money thing. Okay. So when does this stop? What's the goal? And I realized yeah. Vanessa, there wasn't, it was mm-hmm. at least if I had a certain amount, it's a little better, assuming you actually stick to it when you hit that amount, but there wasn't yeah. even an amount. It's just, let's just keep going, 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 going. I'm like, so this has nothing to do with money then really does it. It's like a fear of what that felt like before when you didn't have it type of thing. So oh, exactly. I mean, we grew up you saying, know I mean? yeah, we grew up and it was like, well, we never had anything. Oh mom, you know, she fried flower balls for us and all these things. And you're like, okay, that's just like freaking tortillas. That's what it is, mom. Like, come on. But like, I mean, <laughs> then you have that same money mindsets and then you're like, then you start freaking out as a practitioner. You're like, what am I going to charge? Well, what if it's not enough? What if it's too little? And, but you know what? I don't deserve enough. And like, we never had that growing up, but if you don't have a plan, like, that's why I say like, I mean, I took a break after I became an FDN, I took a break and said, okay, it was a lot, to, a lot of work. Right. But let's, let's calm. Let's see. What is, what is my intent? What is my niche? And that took a little bit too. Right. But what is my intent? Do I want to do I want to help X amount of people? Do I want to make X amount of dollars? Those do correlate, yes. But like, what is my ultimate goal? And like you said, like when I reach that goal, then what? How do I want to feel around it? Do I want to feel the same way that I did in childhood? Like, oh my gosh, am I never going to have enough? Like my husband's the opposite. He's like, let's just spend. Like, who cares? It's going to come in at some point. I'm like, no, we have to save for something, right? But 
what, what is going to be that feeling around it? And how are you going to change it now as you're healing from trauma, as you're healing from all of your health issues, things like that? How do you want to feel? And that's another thing we have to make sure that we're addressing with our clients too is, okay, great. You want to feel better. What, what does that look like? Are you going to now be able to get that job? Are you going to, are you going to become an FDN yourself now? I've got a client who wants to do that now. Are you going to go out and speak to schools? I bake sourdough and I've got one of my teachers, the kids' teachers, like, can you come into our class and teach us about sourdough? Okay. Right. What? what? <laughs> okay. Great. Because then it, actually that's an insert into the school system to teach them about health and taking care of yourselves and why we're doing what we're doing. So you have to understand why you're doing what you're doing. What are you intentionally, and don't be everyone else. Y'all get off of social media. I'm sorry, but like stop being everyone else. Tell your story, write down. Here's my story. This is, how did I feel at this point? How did I feel at that point? How did I feel at the next point? What drove me to this, this stage here? What drove me to be an FDN? And then just keep sharing that over and over and over and over. Trust me, y'all, right on social media, how many times, how long does the stories last? 24 hours. How long do, do people scroll for like hours and hours to see and find what you, if you posted that same thing or that same story or in some same manner, like, how many times you did it? No, they're not going to. Okay. They're going to see what you're posting now. You got to get in front of them, but you have to be intentional about it. I love it. The business stuff dropping in, but you're oh, yeah, we can hold another one on that one. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Because it's, I'll, I'll actually wrap it up with this. And then of course I'll ask where people can find you because I remembered what it was before. It was the vulnerability thing that you talked about. I think th- this is an interesting one because anyone that's an adult gets what I'm about to say. People are always going to judge you no matter what. I think every adult would agree with that. I think what's tough about being vulnerable, because, of course, the logical thing then is this, if they're going to judge me no matter what, why would I not be myself? I think it hurts worse to be judged for what we know is actually us versus what isn't. So I was an asshole in high school when I'm using drugs, doing all these things. I'm not really an asshole at the core. So if someone calls me that, well, yeah, it hurts. You know, I, I don't appreciate it, but it's like, dude, that's not really me. If someone says, you know, especially at 16, these, this is like knife through the chest. Hey, pizza face, right? Well, that's now vulnerable for something that actually affects me. If I say that to the girl with beautiful skin, she'd be like, what? Like that, you can't get offended by it because it doesn't apply. Um, and then, so this public speaking coach that was, it wasn't really for me personally, but it was in a group I was in. Um, he gave us this long weekend. And then the final thing that he ever said there was how many people are still afraid of public speaking? You know, a few people raised their hands mm-hmm. and he went from this really nice guy to very serious for a moment. And he said, get over yourselves. Mm-hmm. And the reason that this thought about the stories just triggered uh, what he had said back then is we're not the center of the universe. Right. People are not thinking about us constantly. They are 10 times more concerned with their insecurities and how they're being perceived by others. So, yes, post your story often, but also um, have that encouragement to be vulnerable. Are there going to be some people that say things? Yes, there has been a very small percentage over my time, especially, man, I'm speaking to kids sometimes. Kids don't lie, generally speaking, not about their negative opinions. (laughs) There has been some things said where you're like, how could you even think of that, let alone say that out loud? Mm -hmm. But for all those people, there's like nine, uh, probably nine out of 10. If that's the one out of 10, there's nine out of 10. That man resonated so much with your authenticity and vulnerability that it actually helped them. It outweighs all that crap. So don't let that be the reason you stop. Now, if someone listened to this one today, and maybe they got both podcasts, I hope they listened to both. And we're like, 
holy crap, she's speaking my language. I totally know that. I want someone that can do the labs and the science side. And not, I'm sorry, I keep saying that. Not that this isn't science, but obviously we didn't necessarily rattle off studies today. There is a ton of science behind what Vanessa's saying, to be clear. But you're feeling into this. You're using your intuition in a very intelligent way and mixing it with science. So if someone wants a practitioner like you, where can they find you? Um, they can definitely find me on Instagram and it's my name, Vanessa McConkie. It is spelled differently. So check the show notes there. Um, you can find me at vanessamcconkey.com. Again, my website isn't all crazy and stuff yet. So I'm big there. And then LinkedIn as well. It's LinkedIn at Vanessa McConkie. It's pretty simple there. So yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. I know that we're over on time. I'm going to ask, I have one more question for you because last time I asked your signature question, what's the one thing you'd get for everyone to do for their health? Um, this one, you know, especially since it's so close together, your answer probably wouldn't have changed. If it was two years, I might ask the same one again, Mm -hmm. Uh, but I'll pose this. So if you had one step for people that let, let's say they somehow have identified and know, okay, trauma is definitely a part of my healing journey. I got to get this under control in some way. If I want to get to where I want to go, what's the first step for someone with that? Is it a counselor? Is it doing something on their own? Is it reading a certain book? I I mean, it might be different for everyone, but assuming you could only give one tip to those people, what, what would you tell them to do? Oh, one tip. My goodness. I mean, definitely find a trauma informed therapist for sure. I don't know what I would do without mine. Um, you can do the talk therapy and stuff too. Um, but also, I mean, a huge thing is the body keeps score. And I think I mentioned that on my last episode here too. It's a great book. It's very intense, um, but it does relate quite a bit. And then a second book, I know you said one, but a, a second one too is, and it's an older one and it's called emotional sobriety. And that one really dives into why we think the way that we do and why we could be feeling um, some of the experiences differently than other people and then how to overcome those. And then, of course, you can always reach out to me, too. I love to be able to share with people and guide them in the right direction based on their experiences because each person is different and unique. Beautiful. Thank you so much for another great episode. Oh, you're welcome. 